0: you are listening to the massive report podcast
1: on the road again the crew are on the road again they might lose and they might draw the crew are on the road again that's what i got Well,
2: they don't win in texas that's for sure
1: well from the home of willie nelson texas he lives out in the hill country around austin i'm brian that's brett that's sam together the trio will hold down the fort here with another Mass Report podcast it, with our friends at Saucy Brewworks, They're playing Hollaback Girl
2: in the background. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's always a very eclectic uh, musical selection out of the kitchen. It, you Depends
1: never know what in you're going to get. Right. Depends think, on who's in charge. Like and subscribe to the Mass Report podcast if you would. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, so, where do we want to start? I guess with Dallas, the 1-1 draw on Saturday night. Uh I was very distracted on Saturday, as a lot of people were. I had three TVs in my living room and my laptop. I was watching the Buckeyes. I was watching the crew. I was watching my Wazoo Cougs beat Oregon State. And I was watching the Mariners on my laptop as they are in a pennant drive for their lives. How did you
0: like the the no one wants us bowl that everyone thought? Lee Corso said it was the no one watches us bowl. Even even the, the Washington state or Washington, the WashU head coach who got real mad after the game, just like Ryan Day, calling out another octogenarian for what was essentially a misquote. Right. Fantastic well, I don't stuff. know.
1: Whatever it takes to get fired Massive up report. to Now your to. college football okay. podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I was a bit distracted. What I saw was like a tie. It was like, meh.
0: I mean, what do we blame? The Heat? Three and eight, right? Um, you know, which is why like what we always say. Um, and uh, the fact that you got four points from those three three games, which two road games and one and maybe two of the worst potential locations that you can play this deep into the summer slash mm-hmm. false fall that we, you know, experienced, the, you know, over the weekend. Um, it's amazing, uh, you know, I think that was the first, it's the first crew game of this year that went directly up against Ohio State, right? And the first one, I don't think we had too many in 2022 some overlap, but not like literally like we are kicking off at the basic same exact time. It's amazing what happens to crew Twitter. When yeah, Ohio the fact State that it was on central
2: out. time didn't help no. because it was literally at the same time. The,
0: even like the admin, if, I don't know if I would assume it was Grant running it, uh, who does a great job for the crew. But the social media for the crew, it look, it felt like they, it was so there were so... Uh, so much less activity like the, the tweet. There were good. fewer tweets. There were fewer everything. I swear they had like the oh, oh it was the same thing you know, like down in Dallas. They had the, the, the crew on and Ohio State on at the same time. Um, yeah, some heavy legs for sure. Uh, and then in despite, you know, all of that still looked like they should have won the game. Mm mm-hmm. um, You know, I thought um, it was it was interesting to see. Uh, I don't know what Cucho Hernandez is made up of in terms of his DNA, but I swear the man has you know a couple extra batteries inside of him. I, I was blown away with the amount of energy that he had, given what he had expended the previous two games. I didn't think he would even make the trip. I thought he would. I thought they would rest him and be done with it. The fact that he started, played really hard and played really well. Uh, he kind played of,
2: until the eighty. 80- basically minute, went the whole game. Minute? Yeah,
0: it, that kind of melted my mind. Um, but they, you know, it, it was interesting, and, and, and I obviously we'll get to the previous two games, um, both Chicago and then Orlando before that. Um, but I, I thought it was kind of, in my mind, the logical kind of step that we would see after kind of the devastating catastrophic defeat that orlando was to the the moonwalk cakewalk kind of win that chicago ended up being now you got heavy legs you're on the road terrible place to play in the summer it's kind of what you expect in my mind and you come out of there with a point even though it's a western conference team so it doesn't necessarily matter in the grand scheme of things um it's still relatively successful i think three and eight trip as far as i'm concerned
2: yeah they didn't they didn't they played well enough to win the game i think you're right the heavy legs thing what did surprise me is that how late those subs came in yeah because i'm like give your guys a break you know they're tired they've all played they and played played the 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 90 yeah and it's like i was like i was really surprised that Ramirez didn't come in until the 83rd minute because yeah. i really expected him around like 65 70. Um, but they had, they had chances, they had chances and they kept Jesus Ferreira pretty quiet, which is yeah. what you want. You don't mm-hmm. want to get beat by that. It was a great, um, assist, but he didn't score on you. So that was, uh,
0: and they got, and they're good too. That's right. the other thing too. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I, I think we sometimes forget a little bit that given it's Western conference, but it's also Dallas and some of the. Struggles that they have, I think, in terms of like their standing league wide, I kind of forget like Jesus Ferrer is like you know, starting number nine quality or caliber player for the U.S. men's national team and is probably on his way to Europe. Chose to stay for like another contract that he probably won't see the end of and before he goes overseas. Right. Um, and and what he kind of does, um, in terms of being like the focal point of everything that they do, and they. They did some really kind of impressive things. They chewed up the crew a couple of times, carved them up, and especially mm-hmm. on, on the goal. And then there's a chance that he probably should score um, in the second half where I thought they, they took advantage maybe of some of the tiredness and some of the, the wear uh, and miles that the crew had on the, on the legs at that point. Um, be interested to see what happens in the playoffs with that Dallas team because I think they could make some noise, especially if they get some hot weather in the fall where um, that could be a problem place to play, given the, the new playoff format that we have. Um, that that I, You know, home field advantage is obviously a little funky in MLS, but, like, I kind of like the makeup of that team. I think, Especially with
2: the new playoff format. That's what,
0: yeah, exactly. So, like, it's, you know, it was interesting. I thought, you know, like 1-1 one, 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 and, like, maybe you, know, maybe you were kind of half-watching and watching OSU at the same time. Like, you're probably going, oh, well, you know, it's a road draw. That's what you want. But I don't think you necessarily come away from that game disappointed either. Even though right. they score first and they give up another lead, uh, it's it's still, in my mind, a relatively successful road trip.
2: And Dallas parked the bus. Pa- parked the you bus. Know,
0: for sure. A yeah. lot
2: of parts in the second half and tried to play on the counter with Jesus Freira running up the side. And that I think that kind of frustrated. Like, Kucho had three really good shots two yeah. that one, uh, one that went, went off, off the, the wood post, post, yeah. Yeah. and two that were like that close to the left and to the right. Yeah. And one of those goes in the complexion of that game changes again, mm. but they, they were playing. Uh, I think, I think Chris said it on the radio. They're playing with a two line defense. <laughs> it was like a three, four, just defensive yeah. play. And I was like, yeah, that's, it just clogs up everything, and you can't, you can't even get a shot from the outside. Well, what does that say about how they see us? This is the, Every point's
1: important for them right now yeah, when you for look sure. at the Western table that they didn't put more of an attacking effort forth.
0: You know, I don't know. It's, I think it's, it's, again, it's probably the same. It's reflexive, right? Like uh, three points against an Eastern Conference team. I don't know how much that helps But I helps think as them. far as
1: the crew, though, but, what I'm getting at is how they viewed us going into the match. And that's how they decided to play us.
0: Yeah, I think they. I think if you if you lined up like and said we're going to try and you know possess the ball as well, the crew probably beat them like five one or okay. something along those lines. So that I think that was probably what they identified in terms of you know being their best opportunity to win,
1: which is a good look um, for us.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think that also. I think the other thing I like too is like it, it was it was a decent enough mix in terms of resting a couple guys but also giving giving some of the younger dudes an opportunity to kind of get back in there and get some reps that i thought regardless of the result the 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 kind of the qualitative positive aspects of getting some of those guys some more minutes to kind of flow into now late september october where we don't get another break the rest of the way out um that i think ab- will we'll kind of pay itself off, you know, come playoff, um, come, come the playoffs. And, and, um, you know, if you needed to, to depend on some of that depth, that they're relatively fresh, but they're also not necessarily coming off col- the bench cold. Yeah, right? they're not rusty. Yeah, it's it. it they, you, I thought they did a really good job, especially after you know the the Orlando fiasco and the dumpster fire that the subs were in that game. They did a really good job of not swinging to the other side of the spectrum in a reactionary way. That was all right. Well, now we got a sub, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Where it felt like we're saying, all right, we we know what we do well. We're going to stick to that plan, and then we're going to change one variable instead of a bunch at a time, and we're going to see if that real- comes off in a relatively good way, um, or it could be bad. We know whatever it might be, but we're not going to we're not going to change multiple things at once because then we don't necessarily know what made what worked right. Um, so I thought they were smart about the whole kind of in- encapsulating kind of. Uh, that that three-game stretch, but also the response to Orlando, I thought was really well done as far as I'm concerned.
1: We talked about subbing and wondering why uh, subs were done or not done in the Dallas game. We see those bros, to reference Seinfeld, that everyone wears that uh, keep track of data on the player. How much is somebody looking at that during the match? I've always wondered about that. That uh, is there somebody on a, like yes. a laptop Absolutely, just like, yeah. oh my god, the, like the director the, of performance is looking, looking at it at the entire a, time, almost like your your fuel reading in your car,
0: literally. That's almost yeah. exactly how it is. Um, like
1: FIFA soccer, you so know, it's the, like
0: playing a video. So game. the interface is really interesting, and the, we can kind of get into the weeds of this if you really want. But the, what, during, the, during the, the Porter years, and it's very similar, I think, with, with what, what Wilford does as well. Um, but so they have someone from um, soccer ops, tech ops, right, fitness ops, uh, up in almost all the ways, always on the road games. It was in like the crew suite, whoever, you know, whatever that might be with the game camera, so like the game film camera, right? Not like a broadcast camera. And he's on a headset or AirPods, usually with uh, either one of the assistants or it's Chris Shenberger who um, is uh, the the director of the training staff and kind of fronts all of that. And they are literally watched, so the pack kind of sits in the middle of like your shoulder blades. Um, and like it's literally live data, right? Mm-hmm. Relative to output and, uh, and then they're also able to take that output and then gauge recovery. Um, once they get basically the games over and they have everyone's, they're able to say like, you need to do this. You need this much sleep. You need to wear the recovery compression pants. Wow. You need to, you know, you need to drink X amount of water because yeah. you're, you're this far back, you know, in terms of uh, replenishing or rehydrating.
2: I remember Steve Dachshund talking about how they, um, it, based on that data they also changed how they mix the recovery drinks for each player so like they add different things for each player depending on where they're at physically I wonder what Frankie Hedick said back in the day
0: so espresso yeah yeah and they well you need a beer and an espresso (laughs) well it's so it's wild because like this technology is relatively new yeah um especially in, the, in in kind of the MLS sphere because it's so expensive mm-hmm. that a lot of times, a lot, a lot of teams weren't employing it until recently, kind of when, every, you know, the, the cash influx that MLS has seen in the last maybe like six to seven years. Um, they, you know, teams had other ways of, of you know, kind of documenting strain and then trying to estimate recovery it's one of the reasons why you see guys after games who didn't play go and run mm-hmm. uh, a little bit because what they they're, they're trying to keep essentially everybody who could potentially play on the same relative strain and then recovery schedule and so that's why you see a lot of those guys go out and run mm-hmm. um but the the uh the this the, the the detailed nature of it, the ultra detailed nature of it is, is relatively new now. Uh, And it's fascinating to watch. And so, and some teams are like diehards by it. Some are more kind of, you know, it's more of a, where do we fit in there? I I would say, you know, being outside the bubble with the, the Nancy kind of regime, I would guess it's, this is just me speculating. I would guess it's a little bit, more devalued than Caleb had okay. it um oh,
2: Caleb, Caleb always talked about hitting their loads and yeah. hitting their their uh gauges and stuff like, like it was that. Yeah. it was
0: like a th- there was always like yeah. a constant conversation going on in terms of where's a guy at it load wise and how and what does that fit in terms of what we need in the game and and, and where kind of that guy might be at um, judging a little bit from how Wilfred does it I would guess that it's more of a feel thing for him. That would be my kind of guess, that he's taking all of that in and then making kind of a judgment call. And, and I think for the most part, um, for me, that would probably be how I would do it a little bit and uh, in, in trying to always have like kind of a finger on the pulse of your team and being kind of aware of that as best you possibly can. But um, uh, especially when it comes to in-game stuff, that would be kind of how I would guess they go about doing
1: mm-hmm. it. Okay. Well, it's fascinating technology and it's, you know, it looks good, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, it literally, it uh, that the, 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 the inserts are now so small that the guys don't even notice them. Yeah. Back in the day, they used to look like, uh, like a brick, like a little, like, yeah. kind of like three by four brick. Yeah. You ever fell on that, that bad boy? Oh. oh my God. Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. And you, sometimes you if you were, they were a little bit different, but you could feel them moving if you were running oh, too. It was a nightmare.
1: Really irritating. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad they made them smaller then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is that enough on the Dallas game? I mean, we've got two others to get to, plus a preview. Anything else you wanted to add? We don't really
2: need to talk about Orlando. I mean, I Nobody think everybody, Nobody the, that
0: everybody wants to talk about Orlando, even though I think the zeitgeist of it has felt like we moved on a little bit. But I think I think we're good on Dallas for the most part. Okay. Well, let's swing
1: back and talk about Orlando sure. first and then back to uh, the result that was the Chicago game. Uh, mainly the question I have for you Brett is the same one I had after the game was over. What the hell just happened? So,
0: I think it, this, this, po- this would be a very different podcast if this was the Monday following <laughs> that game, as opposed to... Wife, like, of, only guess. Have to have the I don't know, however button. many days removed. We're taping this, uh, what is it, Monday the 25th. This game was the 16th, so... Seems I don't know. like a lot
1: longer I guess. Doesn't
0: it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it is kind of funny to, to have that. The benefit of hindsight um, is... I think tempers a little bit of the the tone that we might have had, um, definitely the tone that I had, uh, you know, after that game, um, because the big thing in my mind from the Orlando game is what you did to Chicago, right? And I and I tweeted this after the game at the time and said that like it was it's only a season-defining moment and defeat if they let it. They didn't mm-hmm. let it, and mm-hmm. I, so I think that's. Absolutely job number one. They, they, in my mind, the Chicago game kind of looked like they had dismissed that Orlando game as an anomaly in 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 a lot of ways. Now, Chicago stinks. There's no doubt about that. Um, and they have the highest paid player in MLS. Well, quote-unquote. We don't know how much Leo Messi makes, but probably, quote as <laughs> the we know it, highest player. Uh, the second highest paid player in MLS, at least on the books anyway. Um, who got a red card? Well, one of the great... You know what? I'm good, guys. I'm out of here. Yeah. Red cards that I've seen in a long time. Um, they seemed pretty
1: happy about it. Yeah,
0: he was just, you know, an early shower, put on, put on the comfy shoes and some and some sweats and be done. That was a fantastic. Who, like, who did
2: they play the next game?
0: Who did Chicago play?
2: No, who did? Oh, the red. Oh, shit, never mind. I okay. think you were talking about Messi getting a red card. No, 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 like, no. Shakiri getting his. Oh, Shakiri yeah.
0: getting the the second yellow, which probably should have been a straight red, uh, was just a chef's kiss. Like you know, everyone around here, we stink. I need to get off this field. <laughs> I need like, a, I'm a not break. Even arguing this. I want to get suspended. Yeah, for, I saw a big smile on his face. <laughs> um, but the so the Orlando game was so frustrating because I think everybody watching at home knew the late changes were problematic given what we were seeing on the field prior to said changes. That the, well, let's Orl- go
1: through them. So, uh,
0: so Orlando gaining momentum, in my mind. So the, the, first of all, the crew come out and play. I thought the Gressel goal was like maybe the goal of the oh, year yeah. for the crew in terms of build up and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go up 1-0. Then Ojeda oh, hey scores, so it's 1-1. Then it goes Rossi, Cucho, 3-1. And everyone, the Kucho goal in my mind felt like a little bit like game over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then something happened. Facu Torres comes onto the field, and it's like Orlando, which is a really good team, who is a really good team, he just s- makes the straw that stirs the drink. And it built, and it built, and it built. And right around the 70th minute, it was like. There's a there's more goals in this game. Like it, I I very distinctly remember like kind of feeling that. I don't even know. I probably said it out loud watching the game at home. Um, and then Orlando scores three including two 90 plus minutes to, to win the game. But the
2: And before that, it looked like the Crew could have scored a fourth one yeah. based on how how I mean, I I didn't get to watch the game but I was listening to the game based on how that run of play was going. It looked like they could have scored a fourth and really, really put it away.
0: And and Orlando also could have scored five, by the way, because mm-hmm. there there's a play in the 90th minute when I think the game is three to two. It's pre- prior to the the first 90 minute goal, which is literally just Gillespie just punting a clearance like a back pass that he punts, where the crew are stretched and it's a three v two. And I think if it's if it's a better touch from Torres. He beats I think it's Barrera and it's like literally three on zero going the other way mm-hmm. like they, it was the the high line that the crew were playing up 3 one from about 70th minute on made no sense whatsoever and it felt like to me that was the first time where the, we kind of lost sight and I'm using the the word we um, kind of Liberally, there, where like the staff lost sight of the long-term goal. Where it's like, wow, we look at all the chances we're creating. Look at all this great buildup that we have. Let's just keep it rolling, man. Like let's keep going instead of no. Like this is a six-point game. Whether you like it or not, you're on the road, which is massive as well. You need to like lock it up and go get out of here with a win and instead there was there was no awareness of that you couldn't see the forest from the trees a little bit and from a from with the minute it went three two all hell broke loose in terms of that awareness and i thought that was incredibly problematic and then everything that happened ended up happening um it felt a little bit like murphy's law uh in some ways um but i've said this before on the podcast the the of the four Orlando goals, one of them is really an okay goal. The other three are just bad goals to give up. And I've said it before, if you give up one bad goal in a game, okay, you might get away with it. If you give up two, you're going to lose every time. If you give up three, you have no chance. Mm-hmm. And it and to me, it signaled, hopefully, a bit of a wake-up call to the staff that, like, yes, we are probably the best team in the final third, attacking third in MLS um, and probably the best team in terms of positive buildup, momentum building, kind of buildup. But well, we stink in the back end. If we if we if we turn it over, if we if we have a bad rotation, like we stink back there. And 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 they need to be aware of that. And I think especially late in game, late in games if the crew are leading, that needs to be on the forefront of kind of how they're thinking in terms of who they're bringing off the bench, or who starts the game and how, much, how many minutes you can get out of those guys. That, because that was a complete failure top to bottom. Um, and one that I, I, I really didn't anticipate coming from this coaching staff.
2: They got extra confident, like, after too the confident. third goal. Yeah, yeah, too confident. And it just it came back and bit him And Where does that come from, though? I mean, Nancy, he's been
1: around. He's coached a lot of games at a lot of different levels. Isn't it easy to go, look, we're up 3-1. We're on the road.
2: This is an important game. What's the most dangerous lead in soccer?
0: 2-0, technically. Okay, well so 3-1. A two-goal, a, two-goal a two-goal lead, goal I think, lead. is technically. Yeah. So
2: that, that screamed the most dangerous lead in soccer, and it came back to bite them. Because they were, they were still, like, the momentum was still on their side after that third goal, and they were still trying to go for a fourth. And how they much played high-risk, the, high-reward. I guess
1: what I'm asking is, how much is that on the players on the field, and how much is that on the coaching staff? Because it's, you know, it's it's hard. You can't just call a timeout and bring the guys over and change the defense.
0: Right. But I, I think for me, when it went 3-2 and the way the, the, the Torres goal happened is that should have been alarm bells in my mind. And it wasn't. And I think that's my issue is that. And even honestly, 3-3, three, three, like. The thing you can't do in that situation, the thing that's unforgivable is to come out of there without a right. point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they blew it. In a way that Caleb Porter's teams never did, by the mm-hmm. way. Like that that it, it, in that spectacular of fashion. They did against Montreal at home. They weren't up three one.
2: They weren't up three one. Three one late. They either. blew it and, and uh, they were up were they up three two? Then they allowed the tying goal and the winning goal. Yes.
0: And in, in the, time. the other one that was really bad, obviously, was San Jose, the second game of the season in 2022. Um, yeah. Though the margins there, are, if Aloy Room doesn't kick the ball out of bounds on a goal kick, the the, the free kick coming back the other way doesn't happen. Um, and if, you know, someone decides to mark Calvo, he probably doesn't score the header either. But um, the one guy who, you, who could score against you, you didn't guard in, in <laughs> that situation. But the... Um, It was the 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 thing was the three two the second goal for Orlando should have been an opportunity for them to go wait a minute maybe like maybe Rudy needs to stay on the field I I'm sorry you can't give me you can't give me more than 75 minutes too bad we'll we'll sit you for Chicago Mm -hmm. like we'll figure Chicago out like let's get the win here now yeah Um, some of the, the that that was I think the big problem for me was that how they shook up the whole back line which you don't normally see which is which is weird to begin with right but then on top of that they were still playing as high as they normally would you can you can't change the two things at once and that's the problem if you want to shake up the line because the guys can't give you 90 minutes that's fine drop them back on the 18 then don't ask guys who are playing essentially out of position to play 50 yards from their own goal um, and, and so I, I, that was my biggest issue with that. And I understand it's a philosophical thing and that's how Wilfred Nancy wants to play. But regardless of that, you have to have the awareness and the humility. And that's probably, I use that word purposely. You have to have the humility to understand that that might not be what you you can have all the soccer philosophy, right. the footballing philosophy you want. If you lose games, you're still another schmuck looking at watching games on TV. hmm so you have to have the awareness and the humility to be like, you know what, this is an opportunity that we have to come out, we have to come out with three points in this game, maybe let's dial our philosophy, air quoting, philosophy back to ensure that we get, get this victory, and they didn't do that, and that was problematic.
2: And, and that got compounded by playing that philosophy? With the wrong substitutions that yes. would have not been able to keep up with that yeah. philosophy. And and you'd have thought there was some, sometimes in the beginning of the season where the fans and us talked about how the crew has an inability to close out a game sometime. And as the year has progressed, you're like, okay, I think they started to figure out how to close out that game. And then you had this game happen, you're like, no, no, they didn't. Yeah. And it just it it just compounded that. Um, with with those substitutions. The,
0: there are some statistics and I, I I can't this this is me kind of making a reaching a little bit, but there are some statistics about late leads in MLS have, I believe have relative to the rate of other professional leagues around the world, late leads are more vulnerable in MLS than they are in other leagues. Not to a, there isn't like a, statist, a significant sti- statistical difference, but there is one like that's noticeable. Um, and I think it's especially to, true for road teams that are on the road, given the, the the significant travel that MLS has relative to the rest of the world. Um, but, the, you know, I, I, I think for me it was the, it was just a really disappointing way in a devastating way to lose a game that would have, in my mind, crippled seasons of lesser teams. Now, what we saw in the the days after that, with the Chicago game, that was very much not the case. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a hundred percent, a billion percent credit to Wilford, Nancy, the staff and the and the players as well, to essentially dismiss that as an anomaly and then move on in a relatively significant way that they were able to do that because of the Chicago game was about as dominant of, of a crew game that, as we've seen in four or five years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, that one was,
0: it was a big kill. walk.
1: It, unlike the Orlando game where we kind of said, wait, wait, come back, come back, come back. Uh, this one, by the second goal, even before that, it was like it was men and boys. Yeah in that match. You don't often get two penalty kicks in the first however many minutes it was, 15, 18 minutes. So that certainly helps. But that wasn't a team that was playing scared at all. And really, I mean, against Orlando, up until the the disaster at the end, played great on the road, yeah. you know. And
0: I, and the, the crazy thing to me is like and we've seen it now for I don't know four games, the, the last four games, uh, and in some I think it's I think in in many ways it's it's probably directly related to Lucas Ellerion's departure, um, that Cucho has found like like kind of the gear that we were expecting to see f- from like the off like in uh, like in February at the beginning of the year, um, the which is like is <laughs> such a. Uh, uh, kind of a bittersweet kind of thing to to watch for me as a as a fan and and you know kind of a person who talks about it because it's like the gear of a guy who's way too good for Major League Soccer and like needs to be playing Champions League uh, over in Europe that like it's like yeah that guy that guy needs to be in the Premier League because what he's done over the last like four weeks has been outrageously good and it, and essentially it was because he was being asked to step up mm-hmm. um, the. The the back to back, not back to back, but had the hat, the two hat tricks and the the goals and the, uh, and yes you get you get two from two kind of one soft one maybe not so much soft uh, penalties in in the Chicago game, but it to me it's the distribution it's the the work rate it's. Um, You know, if you look at his heat map relative to some of the other great kind of number 10 playmakers in the league, they're very similar Um, for a guy that, you know, we kind of been saying it needs to be like the out and out, like number nine striker, you know, what what essentially he's been, you know, kind of tasked and asked to do um, since Lucas left for Saudi Arabia. He's answered that. And then some being both provider. And goal scorer, which is kind of melting my brain a little bit because I think maybe while we're seeing you know a guy who's playing out of his mind, we're also kind of counting down the days till he maybe isn't in a Columbus crew uniform right. anymore um, It's like play great, but maybe not too great <laughs>
2: yeah uh, play great to win a championship, yeah but then maybe
0: uh, but like for me it's a like that type of player is um that type of player along with that type of contextually, that type of play is an MLS record transfer fee kind of guy. It's the same for me. It's the same. At his age too. Yeah. And he's not at this relative same age, not that much older than Tiago Almada down in Atlanta, who we kind of expected to be sold this summer, who we kind of think is going to be an MLS record signing. It's the same thing he did at the beginning of the year, which was blow everybody's minds. Like, Oh my God, you know, Barcelona is going to come in with a $45 million offer. I think, I think it's a 25, 30-plus kind of thing, too, if Cusho continues to play the way that he does. Um, so it's great. Maybe you win an MLS Cup, and that's fantastic to see and remains to be seen the rest of the year. But, like, to me, the guy is an absolute animal. And um, the, 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 the wild thing, and I said this a little bit about Lucas, too, when Lucas was kind of doing his thing. I think it would be really easy for Cucho to come into MLS and Coast and still be really good and still kind of maintain worldwide transfer fee value. Instead, what you're seeing is a guy who is bought in all the way, who seems to be entirely, um, you know, kind of behind giving his best possible effort, leave, leaving everything out there. In fact, he played 80-some minutes in Dallas when he probably could have just said, you know what, I'm going to set this game out, guys. Enjoy the trip. Enjoy yeah. Texas. Um you know, I think kind of speaks volumes about his character. You know, off the field and the play on the field has been outrageous too.
1: Well, we've had Diego Rossi for a few matches now. How do you uh, give me sort of a sense of how you think he's fitting in?
0: You know, I think he um, the fitness is good. I, I've been impressed with that. I think a little rusty, um, but the especially I think in terms of like finding the goal. Um, but you know, I think his cohesiveness has been excellent um the running is obviously way different this is what we talked about i think the last time we did on you know we did the pod which was you know how much the the pressing would look a little different when he's out there as opposed to lucas um but i kind of think for me if i you know looking across the entire eastern conference if you get him going and Cucho kind of continues to like, you know, obviously you don't expect him to like continue the, the crazy goal scoring formula that he has. But if that drops off even 10 percent, it's still really good. If the two of them get going, there's nobody in MLS that can match their firepower. And as far as I'm concerned, I think there that there's ample opportunity for, for Rossi to be able to do that. And you're seeing flashes of him finding pockets that Lucas didn't find. Um, he seems to pop up in certain spots and it's like always kind of give me to like lean forward a little bit. Like, whoa, that looked really good. Right. The, and the so, play that
2: he scored, yeah. scored in air quotes because air it was quotes. an own goal. But the play that he scored on, I mean, that 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 sequence with him and Cucho and that pass by You Cucho probably don't just, see
0: Lucas running into that yeah. spot. Yeah. And and like that's a, that's a perfectly you know stated it is kind of the difference. Right. And so I thought you saw bits of it in both you know the orlando game and chicago but i thought or the the dallas game was like maybe we're rediscovering a little bit of the magic that he has in the 18. and if that i think manifests with you know high leverage chances and goals like that combined with cucho is like i don't i don't no one touches that i mean uh even even lucho acosta doing what he's done and who pretty much locking up the mvp this past weekend with him, Brandon Vasquez, and whoever the new guy that since he has, whose names I can never remember, they can't match the firepower in my mind that, that the crew have right now. So um, I love it. It's, it's a crazy thing to think that, like, um, you know, the crew maybe sold their best player in the middle of a MLS Cup caliber season and potentially got better. <laughs> That's a weird, wild sentence to yeah. say out loud. And I think there's a we've seen enough evidence for me to at the very least say like there's potential for that to be true
1: mm-hmm. well and Gressel has obviously been a great addition uh, on a scale of one to ten uh, what's his, his current contribution to the team and what do you see that he can add to that
0: yeah, I mean he's a, it's a ten out of ten I mean okay. I, I said this when they signed him that he's my probably my favorite you know, wide player in the league. Um, I still, the circumstances of getting him, I think are crazy. I, I know that he wanted to get back to the East coast and, and essentially kind of made his way uh, to the crew. And so that was a big kind of factor in, in him being available. Um, but the, the dynamic ability there, um, you know, we we've seen it already in terms of it being, I think, better than basically anybody in the league. Um, I I don't know. I can't remember who said this. It, someone called him a the German Beckham. I can't remember exactly who said that, but I've heard it a couple times in the last couple weeks, and I thought that was pretty apropos. Um, and he's probably a better runner than Beckham is too. Um, but the uh, or was, um, but the the stability that he gives them out wide. Uh, is crazy good. It balances a little bit um, some of the uh, some of the, the. I would say that it's not that it's not that Yao uh, and Multi Emmons on the left side aren't good. I think they they've they've both played very really solid. Style. But it, I think it balances out the the lack of maybe attacking prowess on the left side with how good the right side is. Right. So um, the It'll be fascinating to watch as kind of the as the, the playoffs kind of start to take shape in the Eastern Conference. Because I think, in my opinion, outside of Cincinnati, with Barial on the left side, some of the playoff teams on their left side are vulnerable a little bit. And so I think the crew are set up really well to be successful down that right side. So, I mean, it's that... I mean, I don't, it's probably not fair to call it the signing of the season because, like, I think, you know, Diego Rossi probably takes that regardless of whether whatever he does the rest of the year. But I think the, you know, uh, if I was Tim Bezpachenko, I'd be signing him to a contract extension tomorrow. I'd, whatever the, the salary number was, I'd be, yes, Do whatever you want. Do you want a company car? Great, we'll figure that out uh that there could be every answer to any question in terms of a long term kind of contract for for Jules would be a yes for me cuz he's the best right back/right wing back in MLS and I think second place is you need binoculars to see it as far as he's I'm concerned He's built like a
1: truck too. Yes. It. I mean uh when you really get a good look at him on TV he's just Nobody's knocking him down, yeah. you know, and that's the thing that I didn't know about him. Now, obviously, his reputation preceded him, but I'm going, man, that's just a that's just a big
2: dude who's and,
1: not going to take it from anybody.
2: Yeah, and you think it, you you also look at it from how Wilfred is, is looking at building for next season. Yeah, like he's signing Gressel, signing uh, um, not chaburco um, defenders, defenders, Rudy, uh, yeah. yeah, Um Camacho. Camacho thank you. Yeah. So many names, new names, right? New names. That, well, and that's you something
0: know. that we can talk about, kind of and, on the other and, end of this. But yeah. and Diego
2: Rossi, and it's like, okay, so maybe they, maybe he's, he's, they're obviously shooting for this year, but also maybe he's like, okay, we can string together yeah. two or three years. That we have a chance at each one of those years because the team is built that way. They're young, they're signed for two to three years on average. Yeah, why not? The additions in the back, because I was going to bring that up. Yeah, um, grayed out,
1: especially Rudy Camacho, since he's playing the most. Shabrinko really isn't.
2: Shaburko, yeah. Shaburko, I'm yeah. sorry, it's
0: really not. We haven't seen a lot of him.
2: Maybe that's okay.
0: It's you know I didn't I didn't mention him by name and we talked about some of the issues in the Orlando game because I I think you have to be aware of his personal background and how challenging that might be given everything that's happening in, sure. U- in Ukraine right now. Yeah, that yeah. is true. Uh, how challenging it might be to put that aside and try to go out and play good soccer. Sure. Yeah. Um, is, Probably really bleeping hard, yeah. uh, if not altogether impossible. Yeah. Um, that being said, probably shouldn't see the field the rest of the year unless you go out and play with Crew 2 and get, regain some confidence because the Orlando game was a problem. Uh, two of those goals are his, his, directly his fault, and I think that's four, if I'm keeping track, since he's been on the field, that he's essentially directly responsible for it. Um do you but, think
2: it's a style, like it's a style thing or a gel thing?
0: You know, I think it's really hard to. I, I think that the technical ability is obviously there. The left foot is very cultured. It looks really, really good. Um, but I don't think. I think sometimes, you, and we've seen this in the past with center backs that have come from Europe to MLS that are not used to the pressing and counter-pressing that teams do with their strikers, especially the the guys who think they're distributors and all they're going to do back there is ping balls all over the place, uh. that they're not used to having, like, essentially... Or not used to playing kind of like one-and-two touch at a center-back spot. Um, and I think being left-footed is a, adds a little bit of a wrinkle there, uh, a more challenging wrinkle to that, because he, he essentially, being the left-sided center-back, probably has maybe, like... 10 to 12 fewer yards worth of space to work with in terms of distance between him and, say, the nearest opponent than what he might be used to coming from Europe. Um, but the, the the physicality part of it and the pressing and being used to that is ob- he's obviously really struggling. And then set pieces is a mega issue for a guy who's pretty big. Um, doesn't seem to be okay with with you know dudes are out there you know willing to run through you to feed their family kind of thing um so the kitchen agrees um but the uh you know i think you have your back line shored up um as far as i'm concerned um and shaburko isn't in the group um i think the that that straight ball diagonal run that Multi Amundsen seems to be able to hit with Yao coming in and stretching back line that we've seen now a couple goals come from. As far as I'm concerned, that's all I want him to be able to do. If you if you lose a little bit in terms of one on one defending and some set piece prowess, that's fine because that ball is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. So it, it the rest of the way out it should be Multi Rudy and, and Big Steve uh, among your back three. Um, And I think and I think Sheba should probably, you know, I I would I would literally put Josh Wilson, Josh Wilson. Gosh, darn it. That joke has been I've made that joke 10,000 times this summer. And I I cannot believe I just said Uh, it's to the point where it's in my head now. But I would put Josh on the on the bench rather than Sheba the rest of the way out. And I would uh, Sheba wouldn't see the field, I think, for me unless he really did something with crew, too.
1: Well, hopefully he can find it, but there's really no time for him to find it. Yeah,
0: well, and like I think that's the thing too, right? Like, Crew Two's playoffs, I think MLS Next Pros, I think, are right around the corner, right? And so they
2: just played their last game uh, against Atlanta. Yeah,
0: so I don't think like I don't know what exactly how that kind of relationship works in terms of what you're trying to accomplish in terms of winning. Relative to player development for the first team, and that's you know directly impactful to the first team. But um, yeah, I don't know. It didn't look good when he was on the field, mm-hmm. and and I think relative or in comparison to the guys who have who have been out there for an extended period of time and have looked really good. There's no reason for me to try and make that a cycle or a rotation. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and 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 like and that's the other thing too. Like, and, and that was, I think, the thing, that, the biggest thing that bugged me um, with the subs in the Orlando game when you put Sheba on the field. Was all you need, all you're asking that guy to do in those last 15 minutes is to vacuum up every ball that comes at your head and don't get beat backward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you put a guy on the field that so far, since we've seen him in a black and gold uniform, has not been able to do either one of those things. Has gotten beaten behind a couple times and has definitely gotten beat on set pieces. Whereas, you gotta put a guy who has been in MLS forever, is a veteran, has seen everything you could possibly see, and he doesn't see the field. Like, that I don't think makes any sense to me. And, and so I, 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 that, I, that was the biggest thing that I think that bugged me the whole thing, was like if, if Josh is on the field in that Josh Williams, not Josh Wilson. Uh, if Josh is on the field during the Orlando game, they win three yeah. one, maybe three two.
1: But what we don't know. It's a big mystery as to what
0: his fitness is, right?
2: If Zawadzki was on the field, they win three one.
0: Yeah, probably true. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and I think he's there. I think he could go out and play. I know he's training, and he you know he's doing all of that. I'm not. You're not asking for ninety minutes from him, right? You're asking right. for fifteen. Yeah, and I think if he could be walking around on one foot, and Josh Williams can probably give you fifteen experience. Minutes. Yeah,
1: experience. That's physicality.
0: Be up for the fight. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and and I and I don't think, I think you can count on that from Josh. No matter what his fitness level might be, mm-hmm. you can count on that.
2: Yeah. Gino Padula beat Beckham in 2008 by right place, right time because of experience, not because he yeah. outpaced him, not because he outmuscled him. He just knew where to be and where Gino to stick. couldn't
0: run with anybody. Right. Gino couldn't run with anybody, but he also knew where to be and where not to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia coming
1: up. Sure would be nice to have those Orlando points. Yeah. We are in a four-way, four-way dead heat for uh, third in MLS's yeah. Eastern Conference. Philadelphia, they run a form of late 4-1 win over Red Bulls, who are Sad, 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 sad sacks. It's a shame. Two-two draw with Cincinnati. Good. Wait, two, didn't two Red Bull draw? just
2: beat DC United?
0: Yeah. Did in the wild? With yeah. the the hurricane five, that we five, saw three. at Audi. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. By the way, if you you know if, if you're an MLS sicko, and I assume if you're listening to the podcast, you are, um, and you haven't seen <laughs> the highlights from that game, just just open your Apple TV app. No free ads. Um, the 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 app in which you can watch Major League Soccer games now on your TV. That involves a fruit. Um, and just watch the highlights of that game and how, I'm going to swear for a minute, batshit crazy that that game was and yeah. the fact that they've literally played it in essentially the remnants of a tropical storm. Um, it was incredible. It, yeah. I, I loved every minute of it. Okay. Um, shout out to the out. DC fans who were there in yeah. the stands while it happened. Yeah. Chef's kiss. My yeah. respect forever uh, on that. It was fantastic. Yeah, Philly. Um, you know, it's... Uh, It's been really wild to watch some of the regression that we saw from them in attacking wise um, in both 21 and 22 to this year um, where it hasn't quite been just as sharp. Um, But I think if there's anything to believe in in MLS, I think you can you can believe in Jim Curtin to be able to summon some late season magic to try and create something and make it happen. Um. So, I, in in my opinion, they're just as dangerous as Cincy. Um, and I, you know, New England such a. I don't. No one knows what the bloody hell is well, going on in Revs. Um, TBD on any of that. They they literally. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Um, <laughs> but the, I I think this is a this for me is like this for me in many ways is like the first kind of pre playoffs game that we're going to see the rest of the way out. Um, so I think you got to absolutely go for it. Um, and I think there's opportunities to... Um, it's, it's a two-fold thing, right? There's opportunities to kind of uh, exploit some of the issues that they've had in defending, and they've had some goals going that probably shouldn't. But this is still maybe the best transition team in the league. And... Um, so it'll be fascinating to watch. So like essentially, what have we learned from the last three games, right? That they're, the crew is still exceptionally vulnerable in transition. This is the best tr- maybe transition team that the crew are going to see. How do you how do you go about kind of mitigating the, in that risk, right? And so um, I can't wait. It's the most excited I've been for a game in a while. Um, and uh, I just I, I love, like the the culture that Philly seems to have right now. And and it's everything that Jimmy has done um, that they just they they seem like kind of the in my mind, they're like the, the the club that like we're all kind of striving to be a little bit in terms of a culture, because it feels it looks great from the outside and I'm sure from the inside, it feels absolutely amazing. Uh, and they can they can create magic whenever they want. So they're super dangerous, regardless of some of the up-and-down form that they've had all year.
1: Uh, well, we know them well. And you spoke to their transition play. The and
0: room isn't there to throw the ball on the goal, like we saw in <laughs> Philly last year, um, off of a relatively benign cross. Well, how do
1: you see them coming out? How do you see them approaching the game as the, f- the first whistle goes off?
0: So, I mean, you know, I think that... If I were them, I would I would load everybody up on the right side, and I'm going at multi. And if Yao's, play, if Yao's starting, I'm going at Yao all night. Um, I would guess you'll see them. They, they won't try and play out of the back. They'll just serve goal kicks to Yao's side all night, all day, um, and try and win a second ball and then get out the other side um, and then essentially try to create a 4v3 a four, four uh, off of that second ball. But the... Um, it's you know Ali Badoy is my guy. You know he would, we were playing youth soccer back, you know, together back in the day. Well, together's a, doing a lot of heavy lifting there. I was watching him dominate while I was being bad. Um, it's amazing to see him still out there um, and and still playing at a really high level. But the leadership there is just crazy good as well. Um, but I still think they're their front two with, with Gazdag and Ura is just as about a, a, as good as you can, you know, really imagine. And then um, what they've been able to replenish uh, with guys that they've sold, the money that they've been able to reinvest in the club and the academy. Jack McGlynn might be the next big MLS kind of academy export to Europe. Um, is as dangerous of a kind of a playmaking 8 slash 10 hybrid as we have in MLS. Um it, I think for me, the, the, the biggest thing that I would see, I, I, if I were Jim, um, I would be trying to find a way to make sure that Aiden Morris isn't attached to McGlynn's hip. Because that's what I would do if I was real for Nancy is essentially try and blanket him, don't let him get on a half turn and then create something on the back end, uh, you know, coming out the other end or the other side. So um, they'll try and hit the crew and, can, you know, in transition, they'll absorb some pressure, uh, and then they're going to try and go at the crew's left side, up their right side, probably all night.
1: That's probably why Nagby didn't play the other night, right? Because with Morris, as you say, having yeah. that sort of man-marking responsibilities, Nagby is, is going to have to relieve a ton of pressure. In the I, it,
0: he's going to be the outlet for Because McGlynn, I, I've noticed a little bit, when he drifts... He can, he still drifts in their kind of relative shape, which is more, I think for the majority of the year, has been just a straight up four four two. But when he drifts, he doesn't necessarily leave space to be vacated, if that, if that makes sense, right? So they do a really good job of kind of forming in behind him. So there's, if he like say, like takes a bad touch and there's a turnover, it's not like there's an instant transition opportunity for whoever they might be playing. That being said, I think the crew. There are opportunities where we've seen, if if uh, the crew get turned over in midfield, there there are absolutely transition opportunities for for you know their their opponents. So Nagby has to be available to be able to sit a little bit more, um, and essentially give Aiden Morris enough leash to be able to follow McGlynn a little bit across the field. Okay, um, but I, I think they'll try and be physical. I wouldn't be surprised that. The, they don't really do a whole lot for the first, like, 50 minutes, and then all of a sudden they're going to try and win corners and, and then beat you on a set piece and that you know, kind of do what they do. Um, and, I mean, if you look at their form over the last five years, can you argue with anything in terms of that? Because they've been about as good as anybody in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, the only thing they're missing is an MLS Cup. It's-
2: yeah. After a brutal loss against LAFC. Mm-hmm. Well, and they is, would
0: have one if not for you know the entire team getting COVID, whatever that was, two years right. ago, probably.
1: Well, uh, it's going to be a great match. Yeah, really. We'll we'll make our picks here in a moment. Real quick, you touched on it, New England Revolution. What do we know about
0: Bruce Arena that we didn't already read? Can you,
1: re- can you guys resign? Can you guys? New yeah.
0: So so Bruce did something. This very ambiguous, nebulous something. And no one seems to know really what it is other than Kaylin Kyle, who speculated wildly, apparently got that wrong and got suspended by MLS slash Apple TV for saying it. Um, I, I, we don't know. And then Richie uh, is it Smalling, I think, is their assistant coach. Um, he's a, a Bruce Arena guy, took over as the interim for like 20 hours. And then they decided that that was not going to be the case. And. I don't know what I don't really know what's going on the players refused to train I think when Richie took over so I think they're in absolute chaos right now
1: just um, shocking
0: yeah and I, I think for me you know it's when we, we don't know what Bruce said I know there's been a lot of wild speculation as to what it could be I think if we all kind of put on our thinking caps it's probably one of two options probably Um uh, but I think there's a culture thing, too, that um, he's always kind of been a little bit hesitant um, to adopt. But, the um, yeah, the whole thing is weird and chaotic. And, and it kind of, like, blows up what's been another outrageously good season for them. Carlos Hill still a top 10 player in MLS. Um They sold the best goalkeeper in the league for a billion dollars, so they're going to be good for another five years on top of that. Um, And, and, you know, they still have all that, you know, outside wingback depth that you could possibly want in MLS, and given all the back three, back five kind of, you know, formation fancy that we've seen from, you know, coaches across the league, That's all anybody could want going forward. But, yeah, it's really weird. I'd be fascinated to see how it affects their form, you know, here in the last couple weeks of the year because I think there's potential for it to blow it all up and they're a first-round exit come playoffs, right? Because it seems like they're in total turmoil right now, and and I don't necessarily see it improving in any way. Have we seen the
1: last of Bruce Arena, 71 years old? 100%. Yeah, Yeah, he's
0: done. Okay. He's done. I so don't know. So it's that,
1: th- that bad, or he? I just I don't know what he did. Be and, be and,
0: and and I'm, a, I, you know, not. To, this sounds kind of braggy, but I'm pretty plugged in and on that side of things. And I have no idea. I haven't heard. And no one's wow. talking. Um, there is a league investigation of some kind. Oh. I think still ongoing. So that might be why. Um, wow. That's but whatever so weird. it, whatever, it's so weird. It is, it is weird and whatever it was, it was bad enough that. It essentially shut down team operations for an extended period of time. And, and so whatever it, whatever it ended, ends up being, and I'm sure at some point we'll know, um, it's, a, it's a really um, disappointing end to one of the great careers in U.S. soccer. It's just,
1: yeah, I mean, um, I've read that. And I'm like, what? What, could possibly, what? what could he have done? Well, uh, the the imagination runs wild.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know it's, um, you know it's a a lacrosse lacrosse guy who turns into a soccer coach at UVA and then ends up becoming kind of one of the pioneering coaching minds in U.S. soccer over the course of like three and a half decades. Um, You know, to go out in that way uh, is. Sad, not necessarily in reference to, you know, whatever transgressions he did to kind of expedite the exit. But it's a sad chapter to end what is a relatively storied career mm-hmm. in kind of the Pantheon or Mount Rushmore of, of U.S. soccer coaches that we've had in, a, you know, kind of our small kind of bunched history as a country. Um, and hopefully, like... Um, You know, whatever those issues, whatever those sins, air quoting sins, those whatever those might be. um, You know, I I hope the the people involved felt like he atoned enough for them that they feel some resolve. Um, But it's just a disappointing way for it to kind of all wrap up because he's absolutely positively done. um, As far as I know, and I think I know just about as much as everyone else around the league. So Robert Kraft is going to call Bill Belichick and ask him to also manage the New England Revolution. There's a running gag, and I don't – there was always like a running joke amongst New England – or amongst the soccer world about the those two coaches being like yeah. relatively similar, pers- similar personalities. Yep. They were friends and really. talked to each other all the time. Really? All yeah. the time. I
1: wonder what Go those figure. conversations – like a lot of grunting, I imagine. Right. Or, yeah. Sarcasm, Her loving Love loving sarcasm. Nantucket
0: in the in the in the
1: summer. Well, I I suspect we'll know more. I mean, it is 2023. You can't keep a lid on this stuff forever. Somebody's gonna
0: yeah. I don't know if they, I don't know if that's the the player association stuff, but what? But I I would guess. We'll know in the next month. Okay. By, by, we're taping this October, or, uh, September 25th. By October 25th, we will know what okay. happened.
1: Well, I look forward to knowing because I like knowing stuff. Yeah. All right, let's make our pick and get out of here as we face a crucial match against Philadelphia. Saturday at Lower.com. Uh, Sam, what do you got?
2: 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two.
1: Two, two. You know what? That's exactly what I was thinking. 2-2. Two, two. Well, I'm going to go with we're that as well. We're probably going to
2: be up. Like 2 nothing, 2-1, two, oh. and they're going to tie it. But. I
1: kind of see more of a back and forth thing with them getting the last goal, but that's kind of how I see it too, Brett.
0: I was going to say 2-1, uh, or I am going to say 2-1, um, but I think it's similar to what, what Sammy said where it's, I think they go up 2-1 and give up one late, and then it's like a painstaking like hang on by your fingernails okay. uh, for extra, like for last seven minutes, excruciating – Last seven minutes that Lots takes a couple years off of our lives, yeah. uh, kind of thing. Because uh, I, I don't think Philly will come out gangbusters. I think they'll settle in. I think they'll try and pinch one in the first. Like they won't try and in. They might like attack a little bit in the first, say 50, 60 minutes, uh, and then they'll try and get a cheap one in the back thirty. Uh, but I think Kucho stays hot. So uh, give me give me a kucho goal. Early. Um, and then, you know, I think it, we haven't seen uh, enough from, we haven't seen a, a midfield goal in a little while. So give me either Aiden or, or Darlington Nagby as the okay. second one. All right. And then they go 2 1, a late goal from Philly to make it painful. If they
2: goal. don't stack the box, I'd love to see Aiden take a couple shots.
0: I don't know. The, the the one he hit in the Dallas game with the, the screamer did not know Aiden Morris could hit a ball that hard. That yeah. was nasty.
2: Yeah, he's got that, that in his back pocket. A lot of us didn't know that Aiden Morris can hit the ball that, <laughs> that hard this sweet. year.
0: Yeah, he's got yeah.
1: that in his back pocket, no question. All right, so we got our picks in. We're going to get out of here and look forward to the game on Saturday night. Were you sticking the
2: with
1: the 2-2? I'm sticking with 2-2. Yeah. All right. Sorry to copy you, but that's no, okay. That's what I was thinking. All right, uh, Bart, we hope to have you back next week. And uh, Murph is down for the Rams Bengals game. Biggest Rams on fan in Columbus. Leg. Yeah,
0: by far the biggest Rams fan. What a bum. The biggest Rams fan from St. Louis that for the team that now plays He's in Los in Angeles yeah, in I would have, Columbus.
1: I would have turned my back on him, but uh, <laughs> that's just not the way Murph Some people rolls. just
0: love Stan cranky, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let it be known. Pat Murphy.
0: Big Stan Kroenke.
1: Really? That's the first I've ever heard anyone <laughs> loving him. By the way, if someone clipped that I, and tweeted wanna, at me. I want to put this out before I go, uh, real quick. Read it on the Athletic. Uh, the owner of the Oakland A's, who yes. wants to move his team to yes. Las Vegas. I did not know this. He also owns San Jose Earthquakes. Yep. And this article, which was sort of a digest of a, a larger piece on another outlet. He's unhappy with his stadium in San Jose. It's not luxurious enough for them to realize the total amount of revenue. How old is that park?
0: Three years? Four years? Uh, pay, so PayPal, right? PayPal name? I want to say that's 2017. Uh, he already yeah. is unhappy Five, with years. it. Because they were playing at Santa Clara for a couple years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that it, it might it, it, it is not 10 years old. Yeah. It might not even be five years old. So read that. And he built it, by the way. That's the best
1: part. Yeah, he's complaining about a stadium that he built. I know what he's doing. He wants to make the A's and the Earthquakes a package deal off to Las Vegas. They need to put a stop to this right now. That is absolutely not something that should be allowed to go forward.
0: One One of the weirdest stadium atmospheres I've ever been to in the league. They have an open end. Yeah that faces the, the San Jose Airport. And so you got the whatever the mountains are in the back. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but um, but they do this really great thing where they bring in all of these San Francisco food trucks. And so that that open area, that green space is like wall to wall food trucks. and People just hang out there and stuff. Super fun. Awesome. Really great. Um, they've got like the globe covered in terms of like potential cuisine that you can get. That's really, really good. Um, but they, it's so odd that they don't have more um, like corporate kind of um, interest there because Roku's world headquarters is literally right next door. They have like, they're five minutes from Palo Alto in the center of all the tech broy bullshit universe that we have over there. Like, I don't quite understand why there's not more. Because it feels like it's just like there's just like gobs and gobs of money that all you have to go is like go and ask for it. But they Starts don't at the top. They don't have anybody willing Starts to go. and ask top. Out for it. You got to look at the way it's he's He's out there. run
1: the Oakland A's into the ground. Yeah, he is a terrible owner, and I I know what he's doing, and I don't like it.
0: Those fans deserve better too, because I, I when we were when the, when we the crew were there during the disaster that was the two-goal farting episode the 3-3 game back in march of 2022 um when the third calvo goal went in as loud as i've heard any mls stadium in the league and one of the ends isn't even closed
1: it looks cool on tv i don't know what he's complaining about anyway read that on the athletic eyebrow raised at that one as this guy seems to want to move everything he can to las vegas by the
0: way, you know and, and 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 again speaking for myself but i think it's a relatively common held, relative and uh, i think significantly common-held opinion here on the mass report podcast Team, we are very much team fan and very much not team owner earthquakes fans do whatever you can To stand up to that guy. We we have people here that will consult you on on exactly what you need to do and the steps you need to take
1: to to run this idea off the road. I I don't know how serious he is, but I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I've read in a long time. The stadium that I built is not satisfactory. Well, then make it satisfactory.
0: As much as it is, this is so... MLS teams should not be tax havens for billionaire owners. And that's exactly what the, that team is right now. Yeah. It's exactly what the Colorado Rapids are for oh. our, our boy Stan Kroenke mm-hmm. and his brother his son, whatever that his is name a really is. Sad, sad. They should not be there. just tax havens in appreciating assets relative to losses that you're claiming, air quoting claiming on your taxes. Fans deserve better. The, the, the communities in which those teams are located, those deserve better as well. They should not, that should not be happening.
1: Absolutely. So when he cries all the money that he's lost on the Oakland A's, it's the silliest thing. I've, Crazy. I mean, look at their lineup. Good Lord, he's not paying anybody anything. Yeah. And the stadium doesn't cost him any money. And occasionally the toilets clock. that we do know. All right, let's get <laughs> out of here. We uh, we love Saucy Brew Works and we thank them for having us. Uh, drop by here at Third Michigan and Harrison West. They got uh, the beer, mm. the coffee, the pizza. Uh, pizza. I've seen pizzas flying out of here tonight, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't believe. They're just slinging pizzas. Lots of
0: good food and pace. always
1: an eclectic choice of music in the kitchen as well. That, that the, is uh, true.
0: Yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, drop by. And they here. don't pay me to say that either. And we'll be
1: back here next Monday to do but it again. Should. And uh, for Bart, for Brad, I'm Brian. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe to the Mass Support Podcast. And we'll talk to you next week.